Good evening, everyone. What a show we've got here. We really do. Um, it is tremendous, and we are actually streaming live. Come and touch you from Periscope, at Michael underscore Dolce. We are streaming uh, from you from Facebook right now. We are connecting as well, too. But most of all, we and most importantly, we are here on TalkingAlternative.com every Wednesday, 830 Um I mean, what a show. I mean, I can't even, uh, I can't describe it any better. Uh, we talk comics, movies, TV, music, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8.30 Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. We periscope the heck out of the show, like I mentioned, at Michael underscore Dolce. That is D-O-L-C-E, like the candy, like sweet, like whatever you want to call it. Uh, we Facebook stream it, which we're going live in 3.2.1 on Secrets of the Sire. Dot, uh, sorry, Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. And you can get to all this stuff by going to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Most importantly, you can call in 877 480 4120 Saints Girl 878, welcome back. Uh, thoughts on X-Men? Haven't seen it yet. Too much stuff going on. Too much stuff going on. Isn't that crazy? Of course it is. Um, so, I'm your host, Michael Dolce. It's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, it, well, it was Memorial Day weekend. And what better way to celebrate America than by making Captain America a Nazi? Right? I mean, isn't that like the best? That is, that is the patriotic way to, uh, to go about doing things, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and while there are indeed political undertones that reflect Nick Spencer's political leanings, he is <coughs> he's a, he's a lefty <coughs> liberal, I'm here to tell you it is not the end of the world. And there are no need for death threats, although they were Twitter death threats, so I don't really, I don't really think they're really that serious. But Okay, so... I'm going to tell you all about why Hydra Captain America is not the end of the world, why it's not the worst story ever conceived, why Nick Spencer doesn't. But first, I'm going to give you a Nick Spencer story. So as many of you know, I've been making comics for, uh, well, I've been making comics. I'm actually celebrating 10 years uh, this weekend of making comics. My first comic was The Sire. It's about a superhero forced by his own costume to fight evil, kind of like having a spider sense, but instead of warning him danger, it actually puts him in danger. And uh, I will actually be at... Um, what do you call it? Wizard World Philadelphia, which awesome, you know, definitely uh, I'll be there this weekend. I'll be signing autographs, table B49. I'll be doing sketches, uh, you name it, I'll be doing it. So good stuff all around, right? And so my big break though, my big break came in 2009 when I was able to co-create a book for Image Comics. It was called Descendant. And Descendant was, uh, it was cool. It was like an espionage with superpowers. Like it was, it was definitely, it was, it was cool stuff. Like we definitely uh, enjoyed it. Co um, my uh, co-creator, uh, Marcus Perry, and I came up with that concept. We got published image. We had Tyler Kirkham, who's an awesome artist. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Tyler. Um, I'm sure you have. If you're a fan of comics, you know who Tyler Kirkham is. Did covers for us. Whoops, there goes our technical difficulties, as it always seems to happen. Um, and it was, it was great. So we are... We are going crazy. We are making our book, Marcus Perry and I. And all throughout the process of working with Image, we keep hearing, hey, you got to be more like Nick Spencer. So Nick Spencer, actually, he has his first big break at Image also at the same time. And it's a book called Extermination 2.0. It's a very cool book. It was actually, it was about a, uh, uh, an assassin, sorry, a scientist who... Uh, creates the process of transferring minds between bodies and an assassin is hired to kill him and just before he dies he actually transfers his mind into the body of the assassin and now uses the assassin's body to try to find his killer it's a really cool concept um not only is it a really cool concept but i'll get to it in a second ended up selling it to universal studios so nick spencer so extermination 2.0 uh soon after nick spencer also ended up doing morning glories which is a Awesome book at Image Comics. He is a tremendous writer. But the funny thing is, is Marcus and I just constantly, constantly heard Nick Spencer this and Nick Spencer that. Our publisher, our editor, you got to be more like Nick Spencer. You got to be, you got to be, you got to be out there on Ain't It Cool News. And Marcus and I were like, holy cow, this guy, this guy must be selling like, you know, thousands and thousands of books. Like we're getting crushed by this guy. And we show up to San Diego Comic Con in 2009 and we, we go to our table and we finally meet our editor, Kristen Simon, in person our publisher, Jim Valentino, at the time. And we're like, all right, so what's the deal with this Nick Spencer guy? This guy must be killing it, right? Oh, no, you guys are way outselling him. No question about it. But he had created such a hype around his book that it attracted the attention of all these studios. 
and they ended up doing a bidding war. I'm not going to name the name the rumored price of what he actually got his um, his his comic option for, but holy cow! Yes, I will be at New York Comic Con as well. I'll be at San Diego Comic Con, and I'll be at Wizard World Philadelphia. So you can check me out there. Um, Nick Spencer will also be there. But we just kept hearing Nick Spencer this and Nick Spencer that, and boy, it just drove us insane. So. Fast forward to seven years later, and Nick Spencer is on the is is on the firing line for turning Captain America into a Nazi. Okay, so let's take a little bit of a of a of a recap here for anybody who has been living under a rock. Um, Captain America, busy week for this guy, right? I mean, he uh, between give Captain America a boyfriend, the hashtag that made its rounds across the internet, and we will be discussing that in relation to HydraCap with columnist Mark Lombardi who uh, will be joining us in our next segment. You know, is it the same thing? It actually is, and it isn't. Uh, we actually got a lot of great comments on Twitter um, describing that exact situation, so I'll, I'll list you a couple, and I think, um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with, with the conversation there. Um, but anyway, there's this small indie flick. I don't know, if you, Sam, if you've heard this like small little tiny movie, shaking his head, this Civil War movie. So yeah, I know, Civil War, I mean, I've never heard of it, but I hear it's doing pretty well. Uh, you know, so that that continues to actually, you know, do what it's what it's doing. It's doing what it's doing. Um, so Captain America is like all the rage with with the LBGT and the LBGT. Is it LBG or LGBT? It's LGBT. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The gays are more important than the bisexuals. Remember that bisexuals. Remember that you are you are you are one letter away. And well, <laughs> lesbians are more, <laughs> and lesbians are more important than both. Which I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. Um, in the uh, yeah, how do they come up with the acronyms, right? Like, how do they rank who's going to be the first letter in that in that whole thing? They go with lesbians. I, ladies, first. ladies first. I agree. Lesbians are the uh, are the best. So uh, that's the Dave Chappelle, for real. I love lesbians. They are first, but they actually got a got a. Um, a little bit of a uh, a letdown because they thought there was this big announcement coming from Marvel and they thought our hashtag did it. And it's not just them. I mean, obviously everyone, you know, anybody who's a supporter was like, we did it. We got Captain America boyfriend. He's going to be gay in the next Marvel comic. Instead, <laughs> they reveal that he's a Nazi. Well, okay, the equivalent of Nazi. Uh, we'll, we'll pull a quote from uh, Tom Brevoort, the editor, uh, how he's actually kind of upset with that um, claim. And, and, it's, and I agree with him wholeheartedly but uh, but yeah so this bombshell steve rogers has secretly been a hydra agent this entire time in the comics uh, so and, and again it's supposedly dating back to when he was first created too so i mean this is going all the way back he's been a double agent this entire time he's been a very bad double agent i gotta be honest with you if that's the case uh even if in comics continuity 10 years has maybe passed between when he was thawed out of the ice and when he is now a hydra agent you know I mean, I guess he's really patient. He's just really patient making his move. Now he's making his move, so it's 10 years later. So they have to explain that one away. But anyway, so what happens? Everyone flips the poop. Like, everyone. Like, everyone is just going bonkers. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. Twitter death threats for Nick Spencer. Chris Evans even tweeted. Chris Evans, if you go to my uh, webpage, secretsofthesire.com, you can go read some of the preview articles for this. Um, yeah, I mean, even he is, like, sitting there saying, you know, say it ain't so, please, you know, all this other stuff. So he is, he is really, uh, he's not happy either. Everyone's not happy. Every, basically, everyone isn't happy. So... What happens this weekend? Well, the face of Marvel himself, Stan Lee, is attending um, Megacon down in Florida. And, uh, you know, he is basically asked his thoughts on Hydra, Captain America. Sa hashtag saying ain't so. That's right. Saints Girl 878. And this is what he says. He says, it's a hell of a clever idea, the 90-year-old creator said during a panel discussion. He then elaborated his thoughts on the idea when he simultaneously called it a crazy idea, but also good in the same breath. I don't know that I would have ever thought of it for him to be a double agent, but it's going to make you curious. It's going to make you want to read the books. They'll probably do a movie based on it, so I can't fault it. It's a good idea. And leave it to Stan the Man to kind of hit the nail in the proverbial head, right? I mean, he basically sums up everything that every 
comic book fan thinks, right? Every comic book fan knows everything. Stanley, I will say this again. It's going to make you curious. It's going to make you want to read the books. They'll probably do a movie based on it. So I can't fault it. Now, Saints Girl 878 said, DC is breathing a sigh of relief. And please, we welcome all comments. We welcome you to call in 877-480-4120. We love all the Facebook comments. We love all the Periscope comments. Uh, She says, DC's breathing a sigh of relief. I don't think they are. In fact... I mean, again, going in what Stan has said, Stan Lee has said, this movie gets people talking about the comics, and it becomes a fertile breeding ground for potential feature films. There is nothing bad about any of this. Plus, all the people that are, that are arguing this is the worst thing since sliced bread, this is terrible, this is horrible, this is a cheap gimmick, this is god-awful, you know, honestly, they're the people that are traveling at the conventions these days but they're not traveling into comic book stores they're not the ones actually reading the comics anybody who reads comics knows this is like a like a semi-permanent thing like captain america died 10 years ago but he's not dead and jean gray died but she's not dead and then she died again and then she came back again and magneto was dead but now he's not dead and you know look it's not a permanent thing at joe movie dc got all its thunder stolen by a last page reveal versus an 80 page $2.99 rebirth launch. I couldn't agree more. They've got everything stolen from this. I, there's nothing bad about this. There really isn't. Uh, I mean, you have Nick Spencer and Tom Brevoort. They're being interviewed by everyone from your usual suspects, Comic Book Resources, Newsarama, to Time Magazine, to Entertainment Weekly. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It really, it really isn't. Um, and yes, everyone will read this waiting for the plot twist where Cap destroys Hydra from within or, or turns out he's mind controlled. I know Nick Spencer says it's not mind control. Fine. It's not mind control. It's something else. There's something, but it's getting you talking about the comics. I mean, how, look, I wasn't going to pick up Captain America number one. I was in my comic store. I picked it up. I want to read it. Oh, well, I, I have a radio show, so that kind of, you know, doesn't hurt either. All right. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook. Ooh, Operation Paperclip Part 2. I like that. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Secrets of the Sire with over 180,000 titles to choose from. From your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 audio player, this is what you're looking for. Again, I'll be at Wizard World Philadelphia. And coming up next, we are going to dissect this even further with columnist Mark Lombardi. He's a good friend of mine as well. He wrote a Awesome, awesome article on PC, at PC Uncovered. Um, You can actually check him out on Twitter, at Mark Lombardi. And we are going to be talking more Captain America, more Hail Hydra, more this is actually a great idea, even though it is a gimmick at the same time. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Are you concerned about epilepsy, autism, or diabetes? Are you interested in alternative treatments, the impact of health, or new therapies? Then tune into my show, Frank About Health. I'm Frank Harrison, the host. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc, where you learn more about these illnesses, treatments, the social impacts, and create a dialogue with each other. That's Frank About Health, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
clicking away here. Let me know how the sound is. We are live streaming everywhere. We are on Periscope at Michael underscore Dolce. We are streaming live on Facebook, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. And uh, we are live, talkingalternative.com. For anybody who's just joined us, we are talking Captain America. We are talking Hail Hydra. Uh, we're talking about, look, it's a, it's a plot twist. It's a gimmick. And uh, I'll give you these words from uh, Tom Brevoort, uh, who was a little, a little upset in an interview with Time Magazine, or at least if I can, uh, if I can uh, gauge his tone through print. To say it's a gimmick implies that it's done heedlessly just to shock. The proof is in the execution. And with that, I want to welcome our guest, Mr. Mark Lombardi. Mark, are you there? I am. Uh, thank you for having me, Mike. Appreciate ah, it. Love having you on here. All right, first question, is this a gimmick? It's not a gimmick, but it's certainly a story. And what I mean by that is... It, the job of any comic creator, and you know this, and mm-hmm. I know this, is to sell comics. Uh, and and to sell those comics so that you can tell the story that you've written or that you've drawn, it, you know, no one is writing these stories for themselves. So obviously it's being done with the intent to sell books, to, to tell a story that's going to get the attention of people to draw them in. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that's what you want to call a gimmick, then by all means call it a gimmick, but it's, then you're pretty much classifying every comic for the past 80 years a gimmick. And you, and it's a great point, and you wrote in your article for PC Uncovered, I mean, you, you basically kind of gave a long history. Give, give us a history of, of things that are, are just like this, where we need to kind of take a collective deep breath and say, you know what, this is comics. Sure. Um, basically what... Um, I, I kind of woke up that morning and saw everything that transpired from when the when the news hit, um, really before the issue even came out, and, and how internet fandom or, or fandom in general reacted. Um, and the first thing that came to mind was, you know, what I said was in 2012 when Dan Slott wrote Amazing Spider-Man 700 mm-hmm. and essentially killed Peter Parker by switching bodies with uh, Peter and Doc Ock. And, you know, forever everything has changed and Spider-Man no more and, you know, Peter Parker is dead. Mm-hmm. He, you know, and he doubled down on it. People were, were questioning him and Stephen Wacker, his editor, was saying, you know, what do you, how, do you, how can you kill Peter Parker? He's Spider-Man. There's, there are movies. There are kids that uh, emulate Peter Parker and, you know, he will forever be Spider-Man. You know, how can you do this? How can you ruin his, you know, ruin every story that's ever been created? And... You know, you look at the reaction and how visceral it was, mm-hmm. how the fans, the real, and, I, and I, I, I hesitate to call them real fans because it gets into that gatekeeping issue. But you, you talk about the fans who understand comics and how they're really portrayed, how the stories come out, how they're really yeah. meant to sell stories and tell stories. And there, there are people who kind of look at it and say, you know, okay, it's a story, it's a gimmick, it's an event, whatever. Everything's going to change. Well, Brevoort, uh, I'm sorry, not Brevoort, uh, Stephen Wacker and Dan Slott, they all double down. No, he's dead. He's never coming back. Jon Snow. They had the story. They, they knew it was going to happen. So, um, you know, fans reacted horribly. They, they, they kind of the same way they did this time with Nick. They threatened his life. They wanted him fired. <laughs> they held a different campaign. So these were Twitter. These were Twitter death threats, though. They they're not the same, right? I mean, they, you know, anyone anyone with keyboard muscles, I, I want a legit death threat. See, if I'm going to write a story that's going to cause mass hysteria, I would like 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 a raccoon like pinned to my door or something. You know, so, some sort of stray animal on my front door, and then then I'll take it seriously. Well, I'll tell you what. And I, I mean, you know, we're talking about the cap issue, and uh, I don't know if you saw the letter that Dan Brevoort received from. Uh, gentleman, and I use that word loosely, who uh, described himself as a disabled veteran for the Marines and in no unsimple terms threatened his life, said, I will do everything in my ability to hunt you down, to, to take your life. I mean, it, it, is a, it is a legitimate death threat. All right, now, um, now we're talking. And Dan thought <laughs> uh, back, you know, doing the amazing uh, Spider-Man 700, and the ensuing Superior Spider-Man story, he said flat out he had to approach uh, the FBI, the NYPD, file reports. I mean, 
I agree with you to an extent that you get a lot of these keyboard warriors who hide behind the anonymity and they don't, you know, they, they talk a tough game and they, they throw threats out. But I think, you know, I, I think that's kind of where we are as a society now is, you know, you, you have to take this stuff seriously. Sure. Um, do you, I mean, do you even, think, even though... it isn't really serious, you, you kind of have to take it that way. But do you think, though, that it's really... Uh... I mean, again, we, we, you, you mentioned it earlier, and I, and I definitely agree with this. So I, I do my conventions, I do maybe four or five a year. Uh, my wife would probably appreciate if I did less. But, um, you know, the people at the conventions now, they're not the ones in the comic book stores. So that veteran who's going to be hunting down Dan Slott or, you know, the people who are threatening Nick Spencer, these are people that honestly don't read the comics. They read the, they read the sound bites, you know, they read the clickbait, they read Captain America is a Nazi. And, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later on in the show as, as why Brevoort's actually kind of upset with that analogy. But, you know, they hear this and they go, you know, and they just react. So they're not really the comic book fans. So I guess in a way that's actually more dangerous then, right? Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. I, I think on one hand, you really don't know who the real comic book fans are, who are the ones who are going to be showing up at these Comic-Cons, because mm-hmm. Comic-Cons in general have changed over the years. I mean, a vast majority of the people that attend these cons haven't even walked into a comic store. And I think you said this earlier, that they, they're not the ones who are going and picking up the books. If you know, if if one tenth of the audience going out to see Civil War went into a comic shop and bought a Captain America book, I mean, send all the death threats you want at that point because you know you're, you're talking back in the '90s and image and a million copies of things. I mean, oh, I, I think people would love to see readership like that. That's the golden uh, age. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, you kind of have to look at it as if I mean, you, you heard the story years ago where. Um, the guy in the yellow hat walked up to Rob Liefeld's table and dropped off a copy of How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way and oh, yeah. kind of said something, you know, pretty snarky and, and walked off. And I mean, you know, that that's fairly, you know, it, it's an innocuous type of uh, attack at someone. I mean, it certainly wasn't something physical. But no, you know, it's like you almost kind of expect there at some point to be that first time. Yeah. Um, and and I think the more that fandom starts to lose their cool over certain things, the more there is a potential for something like that to happen. All right. So, I mean, if I'm Nick Spencer and I go to a Comic-Con this weekend, I'm looking over my shoulder a little bit at the first person who is overreacting at something that, you know, really is no different than something that was done in the 60s mm-hmm. or in the 80s. Uh, you know, it's... It, you know, a lot of the the things that people brought up, or what are, what would Joe Simon think? What would Jack Kirby think? Well, we know what they thought. We know what Jack Kirby thought because he drew Cap saluting uh, the Red Skull back in 1971, you know, 1968, something like that. Right, but they did you know, say that that done. wasn't, uh, you know, I, mean, I guess the difference is, is that Nick Spencer was like, no, that's not mind control. It's not some super soldier serum uh, you know, messed up thing that like this is actually legit, and and that's why people are very upset because they really are they are really sticking to this, you know, to this notion that it is, it is this is Steve Rogers and he is really a Nazi now. And it's the same way that that Dan Slott stuck to the fact that Peter Parker's dead, and there are people out there who really believe that the only reason Peter Parker is still alive again is because. They petitioned Marvel to change Dan Slott's mind. Yeah, there's no way no. Dan Slott didn't go into that with the end game that Peter Parker is coming back. Right. And there's exactly. no way that Nick Spencer is walking into this with the idea that some sort of cosmic cube thing changed his past. And, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out at the end that Kovic or Corbic or whatever the name of the, the, uh, the you know, the, the walking, talking cosmic cube that, that gave Steve Rogers his youth back was somehow going to be responsible for this. And, you know, that, that's one of the popular theories going around. I think it's, um, you know, anyone that knows Nick Spencer's writing, anyone that sure. knows that, you know, that's followed him from Morning Glories and things like that. Tremendous There's book. There's always an endgame. No idea what's going on in it, but it's tremendous. Blind. <laughs> so let me ask you a question then. Let's, I mean, there's so many different angles. We, we're we're going to talk about the... Uh, uh, the hashtag Captain America, you know, give Captain America a boyfriend in relation to this. We're going to talk about, you know, is this really anti-Semitic? But what I want to know first from you is what do you actually think of the story? Uh, what, did you, what did you actually think of the issue? I, I, you know, I thought it was a pretty good issue. I think 
Um, and the reason I'm, I'm latching on to the Cosmic Cube thing is that they dropped quite a number of hints and mentions of it. Um, so to me, it seems a little bit obvious. But, you know, I, I look at stories from, you know, I'm a comic creator as well. I, I've spent a number of years as an editor, as a writer. So, you, you know, you look at these things outside of the perspective of mm-hmm. a fan, and I start thinking, okay, well, how would I write this? How would I do this? Sure. And look, there's a lot of fans who do the same thing. Um, so I thought it was a pretty decent story. I mean, Nick has his his own voice, his own style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think you know Rick Jones is a little different. But you know, I'll be honest, I haven't read his previous stuff on this. I haven't read the Sam Wilson cap. I didn't read uh, Avengers Standoff. For me, it was kind of a one off. It's like, wow, this story seems really interesting. I'm going to pick up this issue. And my wife actually wanted to pick up the issue just as much as I did. So. Look, at the end of the day, I wasn't going to pick up the issue either, and now it's there. It's the last one on the shelf. I'm in the comic store on Saturday. I know I have a show on Wednesday, and it's you know it's either go to the comic store or go see X-Men Apocalypse. I went to the comic right. store. I mean, exactly. you know, at the end of the day, he's doing his job. He's doing what he's supposed to do here. Um, it's funny you mentioned the Sam Wilson uh, at Joel Mulvey. We all know who that guy is. Um, yeah. Tremendous, tremendous artist. But he, he chimed in about uh, female Thor being a gimmick, and but saying that she is still around today. Uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America was a bit of a gimmick, but ironically, my comic book store owner was saying that that struggled. Like, that book struggled in sales. And it struggled because, I mean, it, it struggled because, again, it was seen as a gimmick. It was seen as a diversity shot rather than a good story. So, you know... At what point does the comic book fan, the true comic book fan, just kind of, you know, kind of what we were talking about last week here with, with the different, um, you know, social media hashtags kind of influencing our story, at what point do they just lose the audience? Well, uh, you, you bring up a couple points that, that actually line up with one another. I mean, there's, there's certainly a push for diversity within, within the comics industry, not just within the characters mm-hmm. uh, and not just in terms of race, uh, of race but also in terms of of gender and sexuality, um, but there's also a push for diversity in terms of creators. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at like Tanishi Coates doing. Which, by the way, I'm against because I am a white male. I am really, I am in trouble. I am just in big trouble. <laughs> well, and you know, and that's kind of the thing. I think, um, I think there really does need to be some diversity within the industry, but I think it has to happen naturally. And again, it's going to sound really convenient for me another white guy to say that but i think what happens is you get stories like sam wilson as cap that don't hit with fans as much as you would imagine based on stuff like social media and sure. you get stuff like female four which don't land as hard no nope. um yeah as, as you would expect based on the amount of talk they get online mm-hmm. um, but again that's I, I, that's people online are talking about things, they're not the ones actually going in the comic store. Mark, you can stick around for the next segment, correct? I absolutely can, yeah. All right, so we are running right up against the clock. So when we come back, uh, is Nick Spencer suggesting that the Red Skull is Donald Trump? <laughs> when we return. <laughs> You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone, and now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time, so join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. And uh, as always, I love having uh, Sam's opinions as well because uh, he's our trusty engineer every week. Uh, for those who are just joining us, we are talking comics, movies, TV, music, pop culture. We do this every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. Sam, you know, said to me, he says, what is the big deal? Hydra, it's a Hydra agent. It's not a Nazi. Mark, is it, is it, is it a Nazi? I, I think there's a bit of confusion in terms of the movie certainly drew that parallel of the Nazis, mm-hmm. and they pushed that really hard. The comics have actually pushed away from that quite a bit, and the Red Skull is certainly a Nazi, but Hydra has always been its own thing. Fans of the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. show uh, would, would know how much Hydra was uh, written into that show, and there's really not any... Uh, any correlation to, to Nazism and things like that. I know that's where a lot of the anti-Semitism uh, came up. And you know, I, I saw Nick say something earlier today where people were sending him receipts of the donations they were making to the Holocaust Museum um, as if that was going to somehow upset him. Uh, and he's like, this is great. He's like, I love that there, you know, there are people that are going out there and buying the comics, and there are people that are going out there and donating money to a really good cause. Um, two sides really win on that side, so... No, I, I really, I don't think that Hydra equals Nazi. Yeah, I, I don't think it does either, but I could see why people, just like you kind of said, and, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, Tom Brevoort actually kind of mentioned this. He mentioned it in the, in the Time magazine, and, and let, let, me get your feel, let me get your feel on this, because I actually think it sums it up pretty good. Um, the reporting on this, he said, was sort of like a game of telephone on the Internet about this went from being Captain America is Hydra to Captain America is a Nazi which is already a leap to this is anti-Semitic, uh, which is ridiculous. Now, but a lot of people really did take it that way, that, boy, you're making Cap a Nazi. Cap was a Nazi hunter created by Jewish creators. I mean, you know, in a way, look, I don't, I don't agree. I do think it's a leap, but I could see why people would be upset, right? Yeah, you can actually see how people fell into that trap. But again, they're, they're taking their own... I hesitate to call it a bias, but they're taking their own maybe misguided thoughts on, on the actual stuff behind the comics. And the people who are writing it and know the story better, um, you know, as to, as to what they're trying to do with this. And, you know, if if Nick says that they're not making him a, a Nazi or if Tom Breedworth says they're not making him a Nazi, I believe them. You know who is not a Nazi? Joe Mulvey. He is called in and wants to ask you a question. So, uh, Joe, how's it going? Uh, guys, it's fantastic. Mark, Mike, good to talk to you. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious. One thing, obviously, I'm calling in for Aim, who's kind of gotten lost <laughs> in the entire shuffle of this entire thing. So, you know, I feel bad. Aim Actually, has terrible marketing. See, that's their problem. They don't, they don't use social media. They're not out there branding themselves. They're kind of like sitting around playing cards in their bunker somewhere, and there's like seven of them right now. And I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to bore anybody, but I do know that back during the Cold War, they just completely gave up and they actually bought all the Walgreens. So Walgreens <laughs> are completely run by all Aim. That's what they did. They diversified into pharmaceuticals. Advanced but idea mechanics. My question for you guys to talk about is when you guys are talking about diversification in comics, um, especially when it comes to characters, not as much creators, but obviously we want creators too. Do you think that the issue that a lot of times people have is that instead of creating new characters, what they're doing is kind of trying to change characters that they've had a certain way? Like we know that like a lot of comic readers are, you know, maybe what's the medium age, 30 to 40? You know what I mean? So to have grown up with something a certain way and then to have it change. I mean, this Nick Spencer story, any story is a story, and I don't take it as carved in stone. But I'm thinking if they could do like they did years ago where an X-Men is introduced and they introduce, you know, like this whole new team of X-Men and they build off of that, if the if the companies kind of put more into really getting new characters onto the stage, maybe that could also bring in a whole new wave of characters, diversity, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, Mark, I'll let you jump in in a second, but I can't... I couldn't agree more, to be honest with you. I mean, the funny thing is, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but, uh, you know, the way that you... The appropriation of characters is something that visibly affects people, and it affects me too, because you sit there and say they need to go out and create new characters. And, and to an extent, yes, it's not easy to do it. 
I agree, but at the same time, yes, because it does feel like appropriation. I mean, it, it feels it feels like you're basically well, you're 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 kind of throwing a bone to certain demographics rather than actually being creative. Give me a shot on X Men, and I'll give you I'll give you well, actually, X Men's a bad example because they are pretty diverse. But give me a shot on any of these books, and I'll give I'll give you re- culturally relevant, diverse characters that are not Captain America, but might exist in Captain America's world. And if they're popular enough, they'll get their own spinoffs. Mark, what do you think? I think that it's kind of a mix of both. I think on one hand, there's a segment of fans who really do genuinely want uh, some characters that they can identify with. And in their minds, when Brian Bendis suddenly changes Iceman's sexuality from straight to I'm glad you put that up because That's, that is a great example and Joe and I actually were talking about it on Twitter last week so continue. Yeah, no, that, that's something where here's a character who is essentially one of the founding members of the X-Men and you know, wow, this is you know, this is great that someone who's been in the movies, that someone who pretty much everyone who who knows, you know, comics maybe 50% knows who Iceman is. I mean, he was on Spider-Man as an amazing and his amazing friend. Mm-hmm. So, to take a character like that and "Quote unquote," turn him gay, gives you know you, you're you're basically all of a sudden giving an A-lister that kind of status. Would you call Iceman an A-lister though? Uh, as an original X-Man, I, I think I would, but a I, B I mean, at best. Probably more B-list right now <laughs> because of the movies, but yeah. He's he's a B at best. Joe and I actually had that exact same point. Here's the thing though: if they go ahead and make an a, a true A-lister like Captain America, which, by the way, are we we both in agreement we're big comic book fans. I mean, if you... I, I am still in awe at the job Marvel did over the past 15 years to make Captain America an A-lister. If this was 1996 and not 2016, Captain America is a C-lister at best in 1996. It's, it's incredible the job they've done over the past 20 years, but I digress. If you make Captain America gay, I don't think there's no... I don't think there's any going back to that. I don't think there's any going back from it. Now, Joe, you had... You actually, you and I argued about it that that it's comics. You could reverse anything, but I don't think you can because I think it's too political. If you were to do that, you would piss off way too many powerful, powerful groups on, you know, on social media. I mean, groups that can literally shut you down. And I don't think they could yeah, do that. Okay, well, let's just say this: Who's shutting you down? Who who's the shutdown? Right? Like everyone goes nuts about this. Captain America thing, it's just going to sell more books. You know what I mean? I, I think that there's a little bit of uh, uh, too much thought that, the, that someone can shut you down. What I'm saying is if they want to turn Cap gay, if they want to, you know, turn him gay. If, if that's the storyline you're doing and, th- and that's the way the company wants to, to push the character, then go for it. But have stories that, ba- like, you know, Marvel's pretty smart. They have things planned out two, three years sure. in advance. They're tied into the cinematic universe. So, I mean, if they have a plan for stuff, they'll have a plan for it. But if anything, if I'm the company and I'm, and I'm seeing this outcry for people wanting this, then maybe it does help me in developing storylines going forward. Not necessarily maybe with Cap, but with someone else. I don't know if you do any help to characters to tread backwards on 70 years of story because then the diehards are going to be pissed off that, oh, I, you know, I've been following Cap for 70 years and now all of a sudden it almost feels like you, you change the whole dynamic of his story. I think that there's, like I think Mark pointed to before, there's people who stick to these storylines as gospel and then there are people who stick to comics as entertainment. And I think that it's very hard to kind of meld the two. But if you end up going forward with, with changing someone, like Iceman point exactly. Mm-hmm. They took him in the past, a whole other reality, a whole other this, that, and they changed him. You can do that. Comics is the only art form. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't do that in, in a movie, like have three versions of, you know, Ewan McGregor. Two are gay and one's not. You know, it would be... <laughs> It'd they should weird. make a lesbian. Remember, it's LGBT. See, L, the lesbians, they always they get the first, All they right, get the top billing. Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, and Kate Beckinsdale have to start a movie. That's it. 
They, well, we are we are just breaking new ground here. I got to be honest; it's it's uh, it's groundbreaking. Joe, thank you so much for the phone call. We're actually going to have Joe on as a guest uh, later on uh, this month as well. He's going to do uh, he's going to talk about his amazing Kickstarter project that he's got going on, and we'll be hyping it. Uh, very good. Go check out at Joel Joe, not Joel Joe underscore Mulve. My slaughter of the English language continues. Mark, really quick, I want to get into the politics of this story now nick spencer is is a fervent liberal there's no question about it i mean he does not hide his political leanings and he kind of equates the red skull to donald trump is that fair i mean is that is that legitimately fair and is it too political getting you know we're, we're, we we kind of span the gamut of you know the hashtag give captain america boyfriend but now we're kind of getting to election territory and fox news even said it why do conservatives have to be the enemy well, I'll say two things. If if Nick is a liberal and he's such a big Hillary guy, then I'd hate to hear what you'd think of me since I'm a Bernie guy. <laughs> Sam's um, a big Bernie guy, so it's okay. You're you're you're, you're all good. <laughs> um, but no, I and I think and and look, I've I've known Nick from his days of being N.W. Spencer on the Bendis forums mm-hmm. when the political stuff that he did was much more significant than his comic writing. Mm -hmm. And I've been there with him from Existence 2.0 all the way through the Morning Glory stuff at Shadowline, too. So, I mean, I've known Nick for years. Um, The political stuff is absolutely a huge part of the story. And I I 100% agree that there's a parallel between Trump and the whole Red Skull thing. And to the point where I almost expect, knowing Nick, Hillary Clinton to come in and be the hero of the story. It'll be Julia Louis Dreyfus. I can live with Julia yeah. Louis Dreyfus if that's the case. I can I can deal with that. Yeah, but no, I, I think it brings up an interesting dialogue to what's going on in this country, and and you know that, that's really what you can tell he's going for here. It's it's going to be about the division, and and I think it's funny that you kind of see that same division in fandom right now, and how people are not just you know there aren't so many people on. Well, you know, let's kind of hear it out. There are people that are fervently against this story. Mm-hmm. There are people who are sort of like, okay, it's a comic story. It'll change. But, yeah, you know, I'll throw down my three, four bucks every month to see what happens for a year or two. Um, and I think that's kind of where we are as a country and politically. You have people that are 100% for Trump, and you have people that are 100% against them. There's no one really on the fence right now saying, well, I really need to hear a couple more of his ideas. <laughs> I can't disagree with your last statement. There's no question. I'm actually, you know, to be honest with you, it's it's turd and poop sandwich this year. There's no, there, that's that's where I'm at with the election. But at the same time, I I don't agree with the 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 hot air that Trump is spewing. But at the same time, I, I don't think that it's automatically fair to brand conservatives out there as the enemy you know i'm i'm actually like i said i voted for obama in 08 and, and 2012 i'm i think he turned out to be a very good president i think that i'm not in favor of hillary i'm not in favor of bernie i'm not in favor of trump and then thank god ted cruz is out of the out of the election <laughs> so i mean look i'm coming from a very moderate point of view but i can see it from the middle you know trump and the conservatives you know why are they always branded as the enemy is, is it just is it just easy or is it just that liberals tend to be writing comics i it, it's the latter and I, I think when you look at, <laughs> no it really is i think when you when you look at art art form as a whole there's a predominantly liberal subset of people who make comics who draw comics I and mean, there you're you're among the minority there uh, right i'm, I'm actually really in the middle too many <laughs> certainly openly conservative comic creators so I think what you're going to see is that the more conservative-type characters are the ones who are demonized. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about it, I mean, you look at the characters, you know, the, the, the characters from the big two. Superman is probably your biggest conservative, corn-fed, Midwestern-type mm-hmm. character. And Cap, you would kind of align the same way. But especially Cap, in recent years, has really been portrayed as liberal. Yes. So I think that's where this whole heel turn is such a big twist in the storyline because you get a character who's almost like this, you know, this this perfect version of a of of the utopian society, and you're turning him into the worst thing you can imagine, which is a Hydra agent <laughs> or a Trump supporter. All right, Mark, you have been an, a fantastic guest. Uh, will you be at Wizard World Philadelphia this weekend? 
I will not. I, it's going to be one of the few years that I miss, but I'll uh, I'll certainly smell it from where I live. All right, terrific. Uh, Mark Lombardi, you can uh, uh, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you on your various social media um, platforms. Sure, you, you can... You can find me on Twitter at, at Mark Lombardi. That's M-A-R-C, Lombardi. Um, you can find me on Facebook also uh, under Mark Lombardi. I write columns for Pop Culture Uncovered, and uh, you can certainly find my name in any sort of Shadowline comment that you pick up on the stands. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much. When we come back, we're going to go back to... we. I mean, we got so much unsolicited feedback on this topic, so we're going to go through a couple comments. And then uh, we have an anniversary to celebrate, so I'm very excited. Secrets of the Sire, when we come back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We are here every Wednesday night talking comics, movies, TV, music, pop culture, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Talking Alternative. We're on Periscope at Michael underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E, like Dolce and Gabbana. We Facebook stream via our Facebook page slash Secrets of the Sire, S-I-R-E. You can call in any time. We've got a mm, little under 11 minutes to go in this uh, particular broadcast, but if you feel strongly and will not to chime in, please do comment away on Periscope. Um, we're talking Hydra, Captain America, and it, and it really set off a rocket, and, and so many unsolicited uh, responses. I mean, people really get up in arms about this. Um, RJ, at RJ underscore Redneck Jedi. It's a cheap gimmick meant to sell books, that's all. God forbid we should rely on good stories and artwork. Yes and no at the same time. Yes, it's a gimmick to get you to read the book. Doesn't mean that the story and the art is going to be bad, though. Uh, You know, one thing I didn't get a chance to talk about with Joe and Mark, I mean, don't forget, you know, years ago they had the Bucky Reborn. You know, Bucky was dead. Bucky dead is dead and... The only character Marvel would never bring back. And they said it. They went on record so many times as, we will never bring back Bucky. Bucky will never come back. And then Ed Brubaker came up with this story. Hey, let's bring let's let's bring uh, let's bring Bucky back and let's make him a, a Russian so you know Winter Soldier and we'll call him the Winter Soldier and he'll have the cybernetic arm. And Marvel's like, okay, cool. And everyone kind of rolled their eyes. Um, and now fast forward and about ten years later, and people name Winter Soldier as their favorite Marvel movie. And where did that come from? That came from reviving a character, you know, from a cheap gimmick. Um, I mean, that's just. That is the uh, the crux of this whole thing. So, you know, definitely gimmicks are there to get you to read the comics. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad story. See, Gerardo, maybe it's a comment on the state of USA politics. The fact that many people are willing to support Donald Trump and reactions from 
the public some violence towards others is maybe what the writer is trying to get across. If Captain America is a symbol of America, the writer might be trained to, trying to get the public to think about the direction America is heading in. And yes, as we kind of talked about, uh, Nick Spencer is without a doubt um, he, an, an unapologetic liberal. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean, I mean it in the literal sense. Um, you know, he is a Hillary guy. He is an anti-Trump guy. He makes the Red Skull out to be Donald Trump. He makes Red Skull supporters out to be Donald Trump supporters. He obviously makes it that Red Skull is kind of, you know, influencing them to be them, you know. Welcome at 5658SAMO. Good to, good to have you on Periscope. Uh, would love to hear your opinions if at, uh, ah, at SaintsGirl878 is still there. Anybody, and we'd love to hear your opinions. Yeah, no, Nick Spencer makes it, makes no qualms about it. He is... Definitely using his politics through the story, but it's not, again, it's not necessarily going to be a bad story. Jason Robinson, again on LinkedIn, chimed in. It's just the latest example of clickbait comic stories along the same lines as killing Captain America, Superman, Batman, making Doc Ock the new Spider-Man, and countless other ridiculous storylines we've seen since the 1990s. They're made to get quick and cheap headlines and try to instill shock and outrage among fans and the general public simply in an effort to boost sales before inevitably returning the characters to status quo and pretending none of it ever happened. Now, he actually goes on, and I'll read the rest of his, his quote. Again, yeah, he reiterates the same thing we're all saying, but I, I, I keep coming back to it. Is that such a bad thing? Uh, look, print is a dying medium. Digital comics are great. We're actually going to have a digital comics guest on next week, Double Take Comics. We were going to have him on this week, and uh, and you know through some scheduling rearrangements, we actually are going to have him on next week, and they're going to talk about digital comics and what they're doing with digital comics, so stay tuned next week for that. Um, look, getting people into this... Now, look, Marvel also has free reign here to do whatever they want. They... They're making money hand over fist with the movies. Uh, Disney is is making hand you know money hand over fist uh, with the movies as well. So it's you know it, it, they're not it's not in any you know we're not in any you know uh, shortage of you know is Marvel going to cave or collapse or nothing. No, I get it. But at the same time, unless we're talking about these particular characters, unless they stay relevant, they're not relevant anymore. Captain America in the 90s was not relevant. Iron Man was not relevant. Thor was not relevant. It was X-Men, 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 X-Force, X-Men, you know, X-Ladies, X-Babies. It didn't matter. There was no Captain America because no, no matter what they did, the most eventful thing they did in the 90s was Heroes Reborn where they actually just, again, the focus was on the creators and not the characters. The creators, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, doing Captain America, doing Avengers, doing Fantastic Four. The characters, they need this kind of relevancy. Jason continued, which is why I make a point never to buy these books and waste my money encouraging those companies to produce even more dopey comic books like this. We should be supporting better comics, not worse. But again, I use Winter Soldier as the, as the example. If I was to tell you, hey, Bucky is alive... 10 years ago, if I was to tell you Bucky is alive now, you go, of course he is. He's the Winter Soldier. What a cool character. Sebastian Stan and Captain America Winter. That was a great movie and Civil War was really great. It was a gimmick. It was something to pull you in and it turned out to be a really good story. That doesn't mean Nick Spencer's run on Captain America is going to be good. That doesn't mean that his political leanings are not going to influence this into being a bad story. It might happen, but as Tom Brevoort kind of established, we have to kind of wait and see. We kind of have to see what the execution is. Stan Lee says, it's a clever idea. It's going to, you know, it's going to drive people crazy. It's going to, uh, you know, it's going to make you curious. It's going to make you want to read the books. They'll probably do a movie based on it, so I can't fault it. And he's right. He's 100% right. Um, if you read Morning Glories, which you should, it's from Image Comics. Give a little shout out to Nick. He does a great job on that book. Um, you know, he's a good writer. He really is. He's a very, very good writer. He's able to juggle a lot of complex characters and complex thoughts. And my God, if you read Morning Glories, that is as... That is as deep a book as you're going to get. It's like lost in a, in a uh, in an academy setting. So you know, definitely check it out. It's really great. Um, you know, and ultimately, Nick Spencer kind of assures everyone that you know, you know, look, the groundwork has been laid before in the past. So it's definitely something. It's not something that he's just kind of 
picking up, he, he uh, you know, to quote, he started asking, who's the worst person? So he starts by saying, Rick Remeter, who was the previous writer in Captain America, has been building towards the story of Hydra having infiltrated various institutions of government and various super teams. So I started asking, who's the worst person it could possibly be? It was really obvious straight away that there's nobody who could do more damage and nobody that could be more of a valuable Hydra plant than Steve Rogers. I like that idea. I mean, it's look, it's just sitting around. What if Steve Rogers was a Hydra agent? I mean, look, if we're all sitting in our basement, if we didn't care about these characters so much, you know, we wouldn't be so upset. All right. We are putting a bow on this uh, this episode, and as I kind of mentioned, I'll be down in Wizard World Philadelphia this weekend, and actually be kind of very special. I'll be at table B49 from Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Wizard World Philadelphia was the first convention I launched, The Sire. The Sire is 10 years old. The Sire is my creator-owned book. It's about a superhero forced by his own costume to fight evil. It's kind of like having a spider sense, but instead of warning him of danger, it actually puts him in danger. Um, we had, ran from 2006 to 2008, was in comic stores everywhere. Uh, I got tons of awesome encounters from fans. I had one fan come up to me when I first launched the book with an unautographed copy. Now, mind you, at that point, I had only attended conventions and I'd only sold comics through conventions. I didn't actually have anything in stores. So when he kind of approached me with the book and it was unautographed, I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I forgot to sign it for you before I sold it to you. And he goes, oh, no, I bought this in the store. I knew you were coming. You're on my list of people I wanted to see. So a lot of great memories. So it's been 10 years and, uh, and hopefully no end in sight, hopefully more comics to come. Uh, but it is. It's an anniversary, and it kind of snuck up on me. It actually snuck up on me in the form of, uh, you know, instant uh, a, a canned message. Joe Mulvey says, "Good show, guys. Have a great show in Philly. Thank you, Joe. We will be uh, welcoming him in two weeks on the show to talk Kickstarter. It's very exciting. That's another avenue you can check out uh, all the books. But yeah, it's it's been a it's been a fun ten years doing comics, and again, no end in sight. Um, definitely some new projects that I am always percolating and always doing. So." Um, Come down to Israel, Philly. It'll be a great time. Um, it's always been a great show. And, and at the very least, you can meet Chris Evans and the entire Marvel gang. Chris Evans is going to be there. Uh, the Hemsworth Thor is going to be there. Sebastian Stan. Uh, you name it. All right. Next week, we are going to welcome Double Take Comics. I know I promised you that last week. But we, uh, like I said, we had this urgent story. And we had some scheduling rearrangements. And, uh, and it worked out for the best. So we're going to welcome Double Take. This is Secrets of the Sire. Talking comics, movies, TV, music, and pop culture. Every Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Talking alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you concerned about epilepsy, autism, or diabetes? Are you interested in alternative treatments, the impact of health, or new therapies? Then tune into my show, Frank About Health. I'm Frank Harrison, the host. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc, where you learn more about these illnesses, treatments, the social impacts, and create a dialogue with each other. That's Frank About Health, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And and welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 